Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the word. Hi, I'm Candice. And um, my, the last time that my husband spoke, Josiah, um, we were going to speak together, um, but I had a lot going on, so he said, I'll just do it. And I said, okay. And then uh, this time we were supposed to speak together, and um, we're getting our house on the market, so he has a lot going on. And I said, well, I'll just do it. And he said, well, you can say, um, you can say that from, from him, my name is Josiah Carl, and I endorse this message. So <laughs> anyways... It's interesting when you kind of do a topic like parenting and stuff like that, and then you don't have your spouse with you, but it's fine because a lot of people uh, do it with just them and Jesus, and they do an amazing job. So, yeah, we honor you single moms and dads. So, anyways, reconnecting is the title for today, reconnecting. Um, Does that look familiar to you? Have you ever been on a FaceTime call and you've seen that, or I don't know if it happens on Zoom or anything, um, but poor connection, you know. It's like the worst thing, especially when you're in the middle of a really good story. Like um, my friend was telling me how for April Fool's, uh, her son thought that it would be a really good April Fool's joke to put syrup, to wake up while everyone was sleeping and pour syrup on their kitchen floor. And he was so excited for her to come around the corner. And so, if you, you know, if you're thinking you're having a day, just think, but did your kid put syrup on the floor? Did they? You know. And he was like, April Fool's. And she was like, this is not a joke. Anyways, she was in the middle of telling me that story. And she starts, like, cutting out a little bit. And then he, and I'm like, wait, 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 I'm missing something. What was it? You know, so it, it tends to happen at like the most inconvenient times, right? That we start losing connection. First, they start breaking up a little bit. Um, and then you can't hear them. And then they freeze that really awkward, you know, they're like, and then you screenshot it so you can laugh at it and show them later or not. You just keep it to yourself. <laughs> and so, and then they start to blur out a little bit and they kind of like go into the background and then you see it, you know, poor connection. And you're like, oh, great. And then it's reconnecting and you're like, come on, come on. Okay. Well, living in a place with hills and valleys, you know, that would be Maine. Um, this happens quite often around here, at least to me. And there's even certain places in my house because I don't have cell reception where I live, only Wi-Fi. So um, people will come to the house and they're like, I can't call anybody. And I'm like, yeah, good luck. Do you have an iPhone? Ooh, should have got that. So anyways, (laughs) because you can't do it without Wi-Fi. And so um, anyway, and then we have a landline. And that brought me back to my junior high days of calling someone in three-way. Sarah's not on the phone, Billy. Do you like her? You know, so (laughs) was I the only one? Okay. Um, Anyways, you can go to a certain place in the house and then you you lose, you know, at least where I live, you can go to a certain place in the house and you know, like if I go back where the kid's playroom is, the signal will be lost. Well, that's kind of like life, at least for me. 
um, trying to live in constant connection to Jesus. But there are mountains and valleys, hard times, the mundane, twists and turns, and places in life where we struggle the most to connect with God and to hear his truth. So it's like, you know, we see him, we've got this great connection, and then something in life happens, and it's like, wait, wait, what did you, what did you say? What was that that I read in John this morning, you know, uh, what, what was that truth? You're, you're breaking up. Um, hello, I see you, but okay, okay, God, now I can't even, now I can't even see you. Where, where are you? What happened? And then reconnecting. Sometimes this happens, it feels like we go through a season where it's like we're, we feel like we're trying to like reconnect with God. And it's not that he has like disappeared where he's like, I'm out. I'm done with you. That's enough. You know, he's always with us, always. Um, when I pray with the boys, we pray with the boys at night. We say, thank you, Jesus, that you're always with us no matter what. Thank you that you love us no matter what. That there's nowhere we could go where you won't be. That there's nothing that we could do where you wouldn't love us. Or that we could do to make you love us more. So it's not that we're having to reconnect because God was like, hee hee, bye. You know, um, he's always there. But there are things that come, lives that enter in, that makes our connection on our end. And seem a little fuzzy. Anybody else? So sometimes this can happen in seasons, but for me, I find, and I can imagine for you too, that this can also happen throughout the day. That this isn't always like a season thing. Sometimes it's just a day-to-day thing, right? It's like on the way to Walmart for me, I go around this pond, and I know that as soon as I get to this little stretch that whoever I'm talking to, they're going to start dropping out, and then I have to pretend like I could still hear them the whole time. And so it's like with God, I know that like dealing with fear, it's like sometimes his voice starts dropping out, and then I'm like, I was, I was listening the whole time. I could hear you the whole time. Right, don't be afraid. You're always with me. Right, 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 got it. So It's like these moments where during my day where the connection between me and him seems to, on my end, drop a little bit, get a little fuzzy because of lies or fear that comes in or frustration. It's like in my day, I'm feeling good till I get frustrated. And then my kid or my spouse or a friend or a coworker comes up right in that moment. And it's like me and Jesus have a poor connection. And I can either just hang up, that's it, forget it, and let my frustration speak. Or I can wait and reconnect with Jesus and respond in those moments. So moving to Maine was like that for Josiah and I, kind of like filling this whole poor connection, reconnecting, waiting, a, a little frustrating, like, all right, how do, we, how do we do this thing? When Josiah and I were moving to Maine, um, the only big thing, like we would have people ask us, like, because I'm from North Carolina, obviously I don't have the whatever cat and things that you guys say and It's the hardest accent for me to do, and I like impersonating accents, and Maine is like, I'm out. All right, so people were like, why are you going there? And we're like, I don't know. Um, We, it's beautiful, (laughs) but we're like, we just, um, we believe that God wants us to go, and it's like, but why? You know, people want to pray over you, and which is great, you know, and, but most of the time, they're looking for like, oh, we're going, and we're starting this business, or we're whatever, and we didn't have everything figured out. We still don't, and so we were like, okay, um, we're going because we believe that we're supposed to be with the family that's there, and we believe that we're supposed to show the kingdom of God through family. That was it. That's all we had, right? 
and that can be enough. We wanted our relationship with God and each other, Josiah and I, and Josiah and I with our kids, to be the biggest light and way of showing people and each other who Jesus is. So we had gotten into this rut of seeing, like rut of seeing being about our father's business as being about our own business, like go, 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 and then each other and the kids would get what was left over. So we wanted to reconnect to the truth that Jesus shows himself through family and uses families as a whole to accomplish the works of the kingdom. We wanted to realign, reassess, reconnect to the idea that we should be giving our family our best and then moving forward out of that. So this is something that we always had in our hearts and we saw in how Jesus moved, even in the very beginning, if we, you know, go back to first mention, all the way back when Jesus first creates Adam, you know, he's like, okay, this is good. And then he's not like, and Adam, just you and me forever, you know, he's like, oh, it's not good for you to be alone. So he gives Eve and he sets it up. He sets up family and he's like, this is the way that we're going to do it. And then he's like, and then be fruitful and multiply. Like, so even more. So he, he wasn't just, God isn't about us being isolated. Never. He's not about us being isolated. He's about us linking. And if you're like, well, I'm not married. Well, um, but you came from someone. So there, there's a family. And if you feel distant from your current family, and maybe there's a reason why that has to be, then begin to ask God who's the family. It may not be blood, but by his blood, who's the family that he's placing around you and giving you? Who are your brothers and sisters in Christ as you move forward in this? Also, your spouse, you know, they count, too. <laughs> Real big. All right. So we saw how Jesus moved in family, but in our day-to-day of helping others and helping ourselves and the challenges that came, we were losing connection to the Father's heart for us and for our family. It's like, um, you ever been talking and you're just like, you're just going, going, it's like me. Okay, so I just go, 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 and I'm sharing something, and then I'm like, wait, it's really quiet on the other end. Hello? And I look at my phone, and I'm like, how long have I been talking to myself, you know? Could have been hours, no. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I don't know if this ever happened to you, and maybe you've only gone for like five seconds, and you're like, I'm smarter. I knew they weren't there. Um, but you're, you're just like going along, and then you realize, or you're talking to someone, and then you're like, they're not even paying attention. Hey, hey, you know. So it felt like in life, like we were going along, going along, going along, and, and God was like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we were like, what? We're doing this thing, and it's really good, and we're helping people. And he's like, yeah, but remember that first thing? Remember family? Remember that? I'm over here. So it's easy to get so focused on being used by God in this world that we lose sight on the first place that he wants to show himself, and that's in our families. Maybe because somehow we have seen spiritual things as grown-up things, but God sees it completely different. Right, where we were like, you know, spiritual things are like what happens between like me and my God and 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 maybe even, you know, my spouse. Sometimes I talk to them about it. But then the kids like, ah, they get it on Sundays, right? So 
spiritual things are not just grown-up things. God sees it completely different. In fact, he tells us to have faith like a child. And the only way to enter his kingdom is to become like a child. And he scooped up a child in his lap to answer the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom? He said, voila. (laughs) It's easy to get disconnected from the truth that our family is the most important thing, not a distraction from what we think is most important. Ooh, that can be a hard one, right? If they just stop and then I can go and do this thing, and because this is really big, like I'm supposed to do, and God's like, okay, yeah, but um, hello. <laughs> I've given you this family, and it's a gift, not a distraction, not something that you get through. It's something that you invest in and you grow in personally as well. So let's look at Matthew 19, 13, 15, 13 through 15 to get reconnect to God's idea of all of this, of family and how he operates. So Matthew 19, 13 through 15 says, Then they brought little children to Jesus. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Then they brought little children to Jesus, and the, um, the they are parents. The parents were bringing, and this was after they'd been having conversations. Um, the Pharisees came up. So this is like an intense thing going on. The Pharisees are like, ha, ah, we're going to get him again, but we can't, you know. So anyways, they're like, we're going to trick him, and we're going to ask him about divorce, you know. So this was like grown-up talk, right? And then they're like, and then we're going to ask him about being single, you know, more grown-up talk. And in the middle of this, here come these parents bringing their children to Jesus, so that he would lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. But the disciples scolded those who brought their children, saying, Don't bother him with this now. Jesus overheard them and said, I want little children to come to me, so never interfere with them when they want to come. For heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. Then he laid his hands on each of them and went on his way. So what Jesus did here in this short little passage, and I don't know how many times I've read this and I've just kind of like, you know, and Jesus, you know, no, bring the kids and pray for him. All right, go on, you know. And I've just like, just like skimmed right over it basically. But what Jesus did here was quite radical and it seems such a small thing. I often can see the small things in my life, the mundane things like loving my family, as insignificant compared to the big things, the big callings, the, ah, change the world, you know, that I want to do for God. There is no greater calling than loving the people that God has given you to love. It's his greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is just as big as the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, your neighbor is someone who is near, and I don't know of anyone else that would be nearer to you, to me, than those that are in our household. So what Jesus did here was radical, and I'm going to tell you why, because just looking at it at face value, it's like, the the. Okay, (laughs) he prayed for some kids. So what he did was radical, and the reason why is in that time, um, in Judaism, they say, right? I think so, okay, 
don't come for me after if I didn't. All right. So <laughs> they, they believed that you had to um, learn the law and then uphold the law, and then you were trying to obey it and do good works in order to inherit the kingdom, in order to get to heaven. Okay? So because of this, because of having to earn your way by following the law and performing good works, by reason then they would think that children – and in this passage, when it says children, it's talking about babies through four years old. And when you dig a little deeper, uh, it also can relate to, like, new believers. But it says um, children, babies through four years old, not really being able to fully understand the law, could not perform good works and earn their way to heaven. Okay? And so because of that, they were like, well, spiritual things then are not for these little kids. Because they can't understand, they can't earn their way, so therefore they have no place. And so um, that's why the disciples, because they would have been taught the same thing, were like, nah, get out of here with that. Can't you see that he's busy with important things? Can't you see that he's trying to be about his father's business? I personally believe that the best times to disciple others are happens at the most inconvenient times, right? The best times to disciple happens at the most inconvenient times. And because I feel inconvenience, I quickly want to deal with it. I either want to respond in anger or frustration, blow them off, shoo them away, whatever, you know, whoever it is and whatever they're bringing. When I feel inconvenience, I just quickly want to deal with it instead of discipling the heart and allowing God to disciple my own in the process. When we feel inconvenienced by our children, guess what God wants to do? He wants us to disciple their hearts the way that he would. And while we're doing that, he also wants to disciple ours. Because guess what? As adults, we don't have it all figured out. No, you know, that's why it's like God the Father, and we're like, these kids, and God's like, these kids, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're involved in that, you know. So, discipling the heart and allowing God to disciple our own in the process. So, because the disciples would have been brought up with the same belief that children have no place in spiritual things, they reacted out of their feelings of inconvenience, and they probably thought that they were doing the right thing, right? They were doing the right thing, but really, they were disconnected from the heart of God in that moment. So, what did Jesus do? Reconnecting. He hops on their case because when it says that they um, they didn't just like sweetly go to the parents, but like, hey, 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 now's probably not the best time. If you want to, we're talking about grown up things, but if you want to come back in a little bit, then maybe you know we could see. No, um, it actually says that they like rebuked them, so they were like, oh, this is my moment, you know, and they were like, get out. I don't know what words they used, but they strongly rebuked the parents. Get out of here with that. What do you think you're doing? And what does Jesus do? Well, first off, he calls them out because he's like, no, we're not doing that. Okay. And I feel like a lot of times in parenting, Jesus totally calls me out. He's like, no, we're not doing that. Mm -mm. That's not how we're talking to them. I don't think so. Mm -mm. They were mine first. You need to get in line. All right. So, like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. 
So he hops on their case, but he's not just like, hey, 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 stop, stop. What are you doing? No, get them over here. Stop. Get them over here. I didn't say to do that. That's not what he does. He stops them, but then he addresses the heart. He brings in a value that he's like, oh, obviously, they don't understand this yet. They, don't, they haven't grabbed onto this value. They don't know my heart in this area yet. So he, he does stop them, but then he addresses the heart issue. He reveals the heart of God, and they walk away with a new value and understanding of the Father. Because he says, I want children to come to me. So never interfere with them when they want to come for kingdom's realm. Is This is him explaining. Kingdom's realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. All right, now, yes, here's a discipline. But here, here's a truth because I'm trying to get to your heart. And that's what we need to be doing. Not like disciplining just to get them off our backs. It's to get to the heart. So he says, no one will ever enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless they become like one of these. He's like, hey, let's, let's walk away with a value and an understanding of who I am and how I see others and how I see these kids and how I see you and who I want you to be. A lot of times, too, when we're bringing correction to our kids, God's like, and I'm showing you a picture as well of how I see you and what you've been doing. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're telling your kids something and then you're like, and that's what God's been saying to me. Thank you for this lesson. Run away. No. <laughs> it's because he loves us. It's because he loves us. He doesn't discipline out of the, his just like frustration. It's out of love. It's out of love. And because he wants us to be everything that we were created to be. So. Here they are. They're responding. Jesus comes back. And addresses the heart issue. And they walk away with a new value and understanding of the Father. And I can imagine, too, that they might have had to go get those parents. That they might have had to humble themselves and apologize. Right? To You know, if they start going back, hey, yeah, I thought it was right, but okay. And, and they weren't, <laughs> I can, this is what we do. Um, well, see, here's the thing, though. He was talking, so you shouldn't have done that. So I'm right, but I was a little less right in the way that I talked to you. But still, I was justified because and it's like, no, you know what? It's like, Rua, it, were you talking in your, do you get loud when you speak in your angry voice? He's my three-year-old. Did I do that? <laughs> He's like, Mm-hmm, when, when we were cooking, and then you said, hey, 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 and then, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, you know what, shouldn't have done that, I'm really sorry, I should have addressed that differently, I should have said, hey, let's, you know, do this and talk to you about it, I'm really sorry that I responded to you in that way, are your feelings hurt? Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry because I love you, and that's not, I mean, it takes time, discipleship takes time. It is so inconvenient. It takes time. <laughs> but you know what? Jesus is willing to take the time with us. So we have to be willing to take the time with the ones that he created and loved. So here we go. Number two, in saying that the kingdom of heaven belongs to children, 
Jesus actually blew everyone's minds in that moment. You know, this was a whole new thing. And because, you know, children can't earn their way into the kingdom, they're like, okay, these, like, babies can't understand the law. They can't, so they can't perform the law. They can't just do a bunch of good works. But Jesus is saying the kingdom belongs to them? Wait a minute. And the reason why he said that is because the only way that the kingdom could belong to these children was through grace. That's it. Because they couldn't do anything to earn it. So Jesus was like, mind blown. This is the way my grace works, you know. The only way the kingdom could belong to them was by grace and grace alone. Grace is basically something that we are undeserving of. So don't tell me that loving your children isn't spiritual. Having dinner together as a family isn't spiritual. Taking the time to see and hear and bless the children you come in contact with is spiritual. I shared this in first service. There's a, a couple that's here, and they are mind-blowingly good at not just talking to adults, but, like, actually addressing the kids that are there, too, and being like, hi, you're a person. <laughs> You matter. Let me talk to you for a second. Let me see if there's something that I can gain from you as well, you know. Um, it's crazy. And that's how, that's how Jesus is and was. Not just like, this is big people things, you know. He's like, nope, bring the kids in. Come on. Sit them in my lap. So loving our children is spiritual. Loving our family is spiritual. If it was important enough for Jesus to do and for it to be written about, it's important for us too. And he wasn't married. He didn't have kids, right? But it was still, it still changed things and blew people's minds and gave a picture of grace and the kingdom just by him loving on the kids that were around him. The next, like, radical thing about this scripture is that Jesus touched the kids. He placed his hand on their heads. And the reason why that's like, what, was because the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, parents would bring um, their, their children to be blessed. And blessing kids um, was a really big thing and something that I think that we need to get back into, even though it feels awkward. We need to bless one another and bless our children and bless the kids that you see and pray over them and speak life over them. Not just like bunch of hoodlums, you know, but like, you know, all right, <laughs> you're a child of God. You were loved by God. You were called to greatness. Like, you know, you've been redeemed. Like calling out the what we were speaking over ourselves, speaking that over ourselves, and then also speaking that over our kids, speaking that over our families. So Jesus lays his hand on them, and the scribes and the Pharisees, when they children were blessed, they wouldn't touch them because they thought that they would be defiled spiritually. They're less than if they touch them. The Pharisee, Pharisees and scribe wouldn't do it, but here Jesus was. He got personal with these kids. He's a personal God, and it's not just with grown-ups. The spiritual things of God is for adults. One of my friends, she was leaving, reminded me um, of the saying, there's no junior Holy Spirit, you know? Like, oh, that's the little kid Holy Spirit. <laughs> no. He's the same, yeah? Yesterday, today, and forever. So the same God that you commune with and that you talk with and that you worship, it's the same God that's sitting in your kids' rooms. 
You, you maybe ask them what Jesus has been telling them, you know? Have you seen him? <laughs> what does he say to you? And it's really cool, um, even because we are going through John together as a family. And if you're not doing that, I would encourage you to do it. And it's not going to go perfect. Your kids are not going to be like, yes, Father, tell me more. Like, no. Um, one might be picking their nose and the other one, I don't know, or you might have a teenager that's rolling their eye and they keep trying to get on their phone, you know. like So it's not going to go, per- it might bless it to go perfect. That would be amazing, you know, but real life is, it's messy, but Jesus shows up in the mess, okay? And so um, it asks a question, um, hey, what what's something that, um, that God has been calling you to do? And so then it was crazy. There's my, um, and he's not like more spiritual than your children, okay? Um, he's eight, and he said, where's he seven? He's seven. He's turning eight. All right. Okay. <laughs> and and he was like, I feel like God's been asking me, like telling me to ask what I can do to help around the house. And I was like, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. He's like, and write stories. Great. Yeah, let's do that. Like, you know, God speaks to kids too. He speaks to kids too. We should start talking to them more as well. <laughs> what do you think about this? What's God been speaking to you? So he's not just for adults. The kingdom work that he has for us to do is not just for grown-ups. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. That's all over scripture. Even God so loved the world. It wasn't like God so loved the adults that he came. Like, no, everyone. Everyone. One of the strongest moves of God, actually, that I have experienced came when I was about eight years old. Okay? And there are tons of things Boy, I'm like, I feel like I was encountering Jesus like crazy as a child. And why? It wasn't even because I was like in my bedroom on my face seeking him. It was because the adults around me were like, hey, come on, come climb into his lap and see how good he is. And there is some awesome stuff (laughs) that happened. Um, But the most um, marking experience that I had came when I was about eight. And um, so in North Carolina, um, the church covenant love where PQ came from, and it's like, and the new invasion of people who keep coming in to Maine came from covenant love. And so we're coming. No, all right. Um, So um, uh, my father is the pastor there. And um, to set up this story. And we had a pastor named uh, John Bevere who came and was speaking, who was evangelist. And um, he was there and he had been speaking for, I don't know how long, but we'll say a few days, okay? And this is, there's a book called Heart Ablaze by John Bevere. And he wrote about this experience in the book. So his account is probably a lot better than mine, if you want to read it. But this is from eight-year-old Candace. All right, so um, anyways, he had spoken, and then he was leaving, and he was like, I really feel like there's more that God wants to do, and specifically with kids, with families. And so I have to go, but I'm going to come back. And he was like, okay, so I'm going to come back in 40, was it 40 days? I'm going to come back in 40 days. And while I'm gone, I want you to get with your families, and I want you to fast. And so... Um, it's like what we're doing right now as a church. So my parents came and talked to us, and they were like, so what we're going to do for these 40 days is we're not going to have TV on the weekends. 
and not after school. And do you think that we were like, parents, that's the best. No. You know what happened? Why? No. You know, and it was a sacrifice. And they talked to us about, you know, okay, well, we don't want things to have control over us, you know. So this is what we're doing, but it's not for nothing. We're doing this, and we're believing for God to do this. And then we talked about personally in our family what what we were believing for. Um, start including your kids and things that you're praying for, you're believing for. Even if it's like, hey, we need help with our finances. Well, get your kids, hey, listen, guys, we need help financially. We're going to believe. And then when Jesus shows up, go back and show them because you're helping to build their faith so that they can see, hey, look, in the generation, this is what God did. So by the time they get to a place where they're having to stand and believe, they'll say, I know you did it before and you'll do it now. Right? So... Um, as a family, and it wasn't magical or anything, <laughs> it was probably a lot of resistance that my parents had to go through, just like right now with my kids, when we're like, okay, we're gonna, you know, and they're like, not, not the Jesus story, not, not John, you know, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna read this, not the Jesus music, that's my favorite one, I'm like, it's good, it's good for you, and so, um, you know, there's a resistance that happens, okay, but we have to be willing to push through and show them the value that's on the other side of that, okay? And so, anyway, so John Bevere, he goes, and it's the 40 days, and then he comes back, and let me tell you, I don't believe that anyone ever touched me. Like, nobody came up and laid hands on me and prayed that I can remember, but I know that God sure did. And I had no clue what was going on other than we were believing God for something great, and I was marked that night. And when I say marked, I mean the Holy Spirit touched me in such a physical way that I, could, like, I couldn't get up off the ground. And this was like, things went on, and then he started preaching. No idea what he talked about. Guess who was still up on the front? Like, literally could not get up. I had to, like, crawl, and I would get water. So I was, like, crying the whole time. And I would go back, and then, and then I was, like, back out. And nobody was, like, holding me down. It wasn't a show. I was a kid. I had nothing to prove. I wasn't, like, look how spiritual I am. Like, this was just God came and met me, and he was, like, you don't even know what's going on, but I'm rocking your world. And it was great. And uh, I, I went back to school um, that Monday, and I had friends that were, like, hey, um, you look different. What happened? I remember this. You look different. And I was, like, I didn't do anything to my hair. Like, uh, <laughs> it looked different. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, we had this really cool service at the church, and then I could, like, feel God. And then I got to talk to my 8-year-old friends about what it's like to encounter Jesus and that he's not just some guy in a picture up on a wall. And then parents were getting phone calls, and they were like, hey, um, your kid's talking in this really weird language, and um, we're not sure what it is. And they're like, oh, that's his heavenly language. Okay, yep, I'll come to the school. And so um, <laughs> kids who had gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's, it's legit. These weren't kids who were trying to fake something or like, look at this. Like they were literally touched by God, didn't have the whole like, well, what if it's not? And what if this? It was just that trust that Jesus talks about in the Bible about coming to him like a child. It's just, hey, okay, if you say so, I believe you. I, you said you're good, so I believe you. I trust you. I'm open. What do you have? And he, and he just... He rocked us. 
And my brother, who is currently the um, lead pastor at the church, had a vision. He was about five years old, had a vision of what he would be doing right now, of what he's doing. We had um, other kids, they were getting phone calls because the, the teachers were like, what did you do with your kids over this weekend? Because um, their grades have changed. They're actually paying attention in class. Like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, um, Jesus. Jesus is what's going on, right? Because it's not, it's not us parents or leaders or, you know, that can fix kids. It's not our job to fix our children, it's our job to love them and disciple them, and then guess who fixes them? Jesus, because guess who fixed you? It wasn't your mom or dad. <laughs> they tried. It was Jesus. <laughs> so we weren't just spectators as children. We were a part. I was a part, and there was a desire for God to touch families, and he did. And I keep thinking about this as we've been called as a church family to fast as families, to pray as families, to go through John as families. And maybe that looks like you and your best friend that's around or you and your parents or you and your spouse or you and your kids. But as a whole, being called to this, um, just thinking about it, I can either be like, oh, well, there's this fast, there's this thing, so I'm going to do my own thing. I do my own fast, I'm going to do my, my own, which is, you know, okay, yes, there's this personal between me and Jesus, but I can get so focused into that and what I want Jesus, like, between just me and Jesus, um, that I can offer my children the leftovers of that, and my spouse the leftovers of that, or I can invite them to the table with me to feast, so it's easy to get caught up in our adult things and to see kids as distractions, but really they are the most important thing. It's easy to get caught up in work or, you know, our own spiritual walk and, and, and see, you know, our spouse as a distraction to what I'm trying. I'm trying to accomplish these things. I'm trying to get this. No, but they are the most important thing. I truly believe that the way that Jesus can radically shake up Maine is through families. If we think it's just through adults, then we are missing a huge part of God's heart, and we need to reconnect. <laughs> Acts 2.17 says this. This is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody. Jesus is for everybody. <laughs> pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. So the last day started um, when Jesus went back up into heaven and the Holy Spirit came. So guess where we are? We're in the last days. So guess who he's talking about? Us. He's talking about our sons and daughters. He's talking about the children that we just prayed over and blessed. He's talking about the ones who were coming up for worship, that it's not just like, oh, that's sweet. If you feel impressed upon your heart to begin to pray over them while they're up here, then do that. Then do that. When you're looking, start praying over them. Start blessing them. Start speaking destiny over them. Oh, my goodness. Just think about that, that the children that would come up here, that this congregation would literally have their back that they would be blessing them and prophesying over them and speaking destiny over their life while they're up here. Do you realize the kingdom impact that that can have, even if they are unaware, 
even if they don't know what's going on, even if they're like, well, this is a nice song, you know, they are in the presence of God, and we are a part of leading them as a whole and placing them into the Father's lap. And then not only that, but they also are a part of showing us what it looks like into how to enter the kingdom of God because it says, like a child, the greatest in the kingdom a child, right? Because of having that trust and that dependence upon the Lord, right? And they're not clouded by all of the, you know, well, I don't know if God would do that because, you know, what about this and that? They're just like, oh, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. If you start singing that to my three-year-old, he'll sing it along with you. And guess what? He believes it, right? It's not clouded by all this stuff. So we have something even to learn from the children, maybe even in watching them enter into worship, go, woo, all right, let me get me some of that. <laughs> Jesus wants us to engage our children in the things of him, and not just on Sundays, in our day-to-day. When it says there, I will pour out my spirit, um, that pour out, it means like, he says, it's a, um, a spirit wind splashing okay so think of like getting a big bucket of whatever okay we'll just say water for now and you pour it out what's going to happen when you pour out that water it's gonna you're gonna get your legs gonna get all wet (laughs) and it's gonna splash over there if you've ever poured something into the sink and then later you're like what is that on the wall you know it seems to just like bounce and go clear across the room and splash everywhere that Jesus is saying I want to pour out my spirit you know and it might even look a little messy. It might not even look like what you thought it was going to look like. But I want to pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters, right? My, my young people and my old people. So God wants to encounter them on a day to day. We get to be the bridge between Holy Spirit and our children, right? Helping them to encounter the love of God between uh, the people that we come in contact with, between our co-workers, uh, the people who work underneath us, between our spouse. Are they getting splashed by an overflow of God's Spirit like he desires, or are they sitting in the soak zone of our frustrations and pride and power struggle? Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. This is another. This is how God wants us to do this thing. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and with all your strength, your entire being. You shall teach them who? Children. The new babies in Christ. uh, Our spouse. The people we come in contact with, you shall teach them diligently to your children, impressing God's precepts on their minds and penetrating their hearts with his truths, and shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. This is a, that's why I was saying, you know, sometimes it's a reconnecting to say, okay, this isn't just when we're at church that they experience God. Or that we experience God. No, we have to reconnect to the idea and the truth that God wants us to be encountering him and experiencing him on the day-to-day. When we're sitting at the dinner table. When, when it's pizza night, you know. Uh, when we're putting kids to bed. When we're having a conversation with our spouse. When we're out with friends. It's all the time that he wants us to be aware of him. Every day in our day-to-day moments with our families and the people we meet, we have the opportunity to bring someone to Jesus, to sit our children in his lap, 
or to lead them away and create a false picture of who Jesus is. Because right now, we are the picture of, of God to our kids. We're the picture of the Father to him. Whether your kids are all grown up, or they're little, or it's just your coworkers, you're the picture of Jesus to somebody else. So are we giving them a true picture when our frustrations arise and we're like, poor connection, you know, are you taking, I would encourage you to take the pause to reconnect and to say, how would Jesus respond in this moment? How would Jesus talk to my kids? How would Jesus discipline my kids? What is the heart issue here? What's the heart issue in me? I know you're like, that's a lot to think about. Well, reconnecting, sometimes it takes a minute. Pause, take the moment, and then go, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to be about your fa- my, my father's business in this moment? How do you want me to disciple in this moment? How do you want me to love in this moment? This is serious business. Be about my father's business, revealing the kingdom, the heart of God. We don't just bring the kingdom when things are feeling super spiritual. This is ongoing and And honestly, the opportunities for Jesus to show himself the greatest, like I said, usually happen at the most inconvenient times. You'd be like, is this a good time? Because it's not a good time for me. And Jesus is like, this is a great time. It's a great time. You're like, okay, thought so. Are we working on me first? Okay, great. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God and how he loved children. He showed the radical love of the Father and the grace he has for us and the time he took to bless children. Um, So again, we weren't given children to fix. That's Jesus' job. We are to guide them, disciple them. We are here to connect them to Jesus. And honestly, having children and dealing with people in general really helps us to realize how much we need Jesus, how much we need to stay connected to him in every moment. So we were like, oh, I have these kids to fix. And God's like, no, I need to fix you. Okay. <laughs> so I gave them to you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Ephesians 6 um, 1 through 4, and then 10 through 13. This is, this is a long one, but I want you to see something here, okay? This is where um, Jesus is like, hey, this is, this is about family. This is how family needs to operate. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right. The, for obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor, esteem, value as precious your father and mother and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may have a long life on earth, right? Okay, and as parents, we are so great at quoting that first part. So great, you know. Jesus says you need to honor your father, so it goes well with you and you have a long life, you know. I've had Malachi, he's my oldest, he's had to write that down and memorize it and say it to me. But there's um, there's another part to this verse, right? There's another part um, where it's not just where he's saying, hey, children, honor your parents. But he basically turns around and says, parents, honor your children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And the only way you can, it's when it talks about provoke, is if somebody is like really close to you. So he's like, watch that close relationship. Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness. So that's not just for moms. Read it again. 
bring them up tenderly with loving kindness because that is how Jesus treats our children. Tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then let's skip down. It says, in conclusion, this is 10 through 13. Okay, so it's been talking about, hey, um, children, honor your parents. Parents, honor your children. And I've always thought about this next part, just about like me personally in my own walk. I've never thought about it having to include anybody else when we talk about this. But he says, in conclusion, (laughs) to how you should be behaving as a family, be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Reconnect all the time. Be connected to me in union because this is how your family will work. Not just you, yourself, all by yourself, me, myself, and I, but he says, hey, this is how family will succeed. Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him. Be empowered through him with your union with him and the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like a splendid armor of heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil against your family. For, I added that in, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against spouse against spouse. It's not against brother against sister, sister against brother. It's not against parents versus children, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, Put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground as a family in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So just think about that, that after family relationships, we're told to be strong in the Lord, to be empowered with our union with him, to put on the full armor of God, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Why? Because a lot of times in family, we're wrestling. (laughs) And he says, "Uh uh-uh, it's not a battle between, you need to realize as a family who you're fighting against. You're not fighting against each other. You're fighting with each other against an enemy that wants to bring division, an enemy that wants it to be about a power struggle, that wants division, that wants us busy, that wants us focused on anything and everything but family. That is fine with uh, with a mom or a dad who is uh, really, really seeking the Lord but um, leaving the children out of it. He's like, eh, that'll do. No, as a whole, as a family, because the enemy would come to attack family because why? That is the way that we are showing the kingdom of God here on this earth. That's the way that we're, we're giving a picture of who Jesus and the Father and Holy Spirit are. So you can bet that the enemy would come after it. Um, uh, in Bible college, one of my teachers said, um, it makes sense that the enemy would come after family because he understands that there's power in the blood. He would go after the bloodline. So as a whole, I just want to encourage you during this fast and as we've been praying for families today to get together and to say, maybe reconnect and to say, okay, 
as a family, as a spouse, or in my community that God has given me that's like my family right now. Maybe it's um, the, you know, brothers and sisters in Jesus that you have right now that's, that's your core family to say, okay, how are we as a whole standing together? How are we praying together? What is our focus? What has Jesus placed us here together? Because Jesus didn't like randomly give you kids to be like, just do a good job and send them on their way. He's like, no, I gave you them because you need them and they need you to be able to accomplish bringing my kingdom about here on earth. So, okay, God, um, what is it? Like, why have you placed us specifically together? What is it that you have for us as a family to do? What can we focus on even in prayer to, together as a family during this fast? What and, and begin to pray for the families of the church. Begin to pray over the children when you see them. Begin to bless them. To re- Like, okay, Satan, we're totally up to your schemes because look around in the world around us. Who has he been attacking? Family family. Say, all right, we've seen your cards. We know how this goes. So now let's arm ourselves, not to be against one another in family, but arm ourselves so that we can stand together as the, you're like your own little army. God has placed to be able to, to carry out the commission that he's given you as a family, as a whole. All right. That's it. I'm going to pray for you. All right. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Uh, Thank you for um, the gifts that each and every person in this room is. And Father, whether um, they are old or they are young or they're figuring it out in between, (laughs) we're all figuring it out. God, I thank you that you have blessed us, that you have called us, that you have a purpose for us, that you um, want us to experience and encounter you no matter where we are at in in our journey. We're at the beginnings in our faith walk with you or we've been with you for years, um, that you have something incredible for us, but not just for us as individuals, but you've placed us, just like what you said with Adam, oh, it's not good that he should be alone. Oh, it's not good that we should be alone, that you've placed us within families, whether it's um, blood or you've given us people around us. And and Father, if there is someone who is um, walking and feels like they have been doing things alone, um, first we call them out of isolation if they've been in that, if it's been, um, oh, because I'm not good enough, I'm not, if they've placed themselves and allowed the life of the enemy to push them back against the wall and to separate themselves. We thank you that those lies would be broken, that they would see themselves as we prayed this morning, that they would see themselves as you have called them to be, that they would step into their identity and that they would link up with the people that you've placed in their life for them to stand with. And Father, again, we bless families. We bless the children. God, help us as a whole not to get so focused on our own personal walk with you that we miss out on the amazing invitation to walk with you as a family, to be um, the two or three gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst. So there you are in the midst of our families, Father. Help us to recognize you there. Uh, Jesus, lead us as parents and how to disciple our kids, how to show up as Jesus to our children. Help us how to show up as Jesus to our coworkers, uh, to the stranger that we meet at Walmart. Father, um, help us to reconnect Help us to reconnect that when our frustration comes and our signal seems weak, help us to reconnect with you and to get your eyes and your ears and your heart and to respond the way that you would, Father, because that's our greatest desire, to be like you, to show you. We want to be about our Father's business, bringing the kingdom, bringing the love of the Father to those around us. So help us, Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.